and I'm so thankful. Appreciate what the Lord did this week for us. Amen. I want to read one verse of Scripture tonight. If you'll turn with us to 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 15. We'll stand tonight. Familiar verse. I appreciate all the good singing. Appreciate the testimonies. I tell you, I've, just, I've enjoyed this week of meeting. I've enjoyed today. And like so many others have said, I needed it. Amen. And I just thank God He knows what we need and uh, when we need it. Amen. And appreciate you being in the Lord's house tonight. Such a good crowd uh, for a Sunday night service. Somebody asked me not too long ago. I don't. I was somewheres, and they said, "You have a, a large drop off on from Sunday morning to Sunday night." I said, "You know, really." I said, "Our people don't." I said, "Sunday morning to Sunday night." I said, "We have, uh, we have a good crowd back Sunday night. Sometimes we have as many, and I don't understand this. Sometimes we have more on Sunday night than we did on Sunday morning. So, uh, but I said, folks are faithful, and I sure appreciate that. Amen. Appreciate you being here. I know sometimes people have to work on Wednesdays. We understand that, but I appreciate you being faithful to the Lord's house. Second Timothy 2 and verse 15 says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Father, I pray tonight in Jesus' name, God, that you would take this verse of Scripture and help us tonight. Thank you for the good revival, for all the preaching that we've heard this week. Lord, thank you for the uh, service this morning. And I pray now that you'll bless us these next few moments. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated tonight. I want to say the message tonight, as well as the motive, is very simple. I want to preach on this subject on students of the Scriptures. Students of the Scriptures. I was thinking about uh, this week and just praying about what God would have me to preach today and uh, did not plan on preaching on prayer this morning because uh, the Lord just spoke to me early this morning about that subject. But uh, I thought about prayer and the Word of God and how that it goes together and how that is the most two important things in the Christian life. And I want you to note with me the command in verse number 14, as he said, or verse number 15, as he says, study. And that word has the idea of being earnest or being zealous or being dedicated uh, to, uh, to the Scriptures. And so uh, Paul gives that exhortation. He gives that instruction here uh, to, be, to study the Word of God. And that is how that we are to study the Bible. We're to study it earnestly. We're to study it uh, fervently. We're to study it uh, uh, zealously and we're to study it, dedi uh, be dedicated in our study. And so we ought to note that command. It is not an option, but it is something that every Christian is to do. If you're going to live victorious, you, you're to study the Word of God. And then I want us to note the context, not only the command in verse 15, but I want you to think about the context. We, we know the text is verse number 15, but think about the context in which Paul is saying this. You, if you go back to verse number 14 here, uh, Paul says this. He said, Of these things, put them in remembrance. And that has to do with strengthening. You know, it, it's good for you and I to be reminded of some things. Amen? A lot of preaching is doing that. It is, of course, we preach the gospel to sinners, but to us that are saved, there's a lot of things that the preacher gets up and preaches that you've already heard and you've already known, but, but it's good for us to be reminded 
minded because uh, it strengthens us. Amen? And so it has to do with strengthening here the context in which Paul is talking about. And then it has to do with striving. Notice what he says. Charge them before the Lord that they strive not about words to no profit. You know, if you'll study your Bible, uh, you won't get caught up in a lot of things. Amen? What the Bible is talking about here is that it's talking about petty arguments, uh, uh, things and words of no profit. Uh, uh, You know, there's a lot of uh, Christians out there that argue about things that have absolutely no profit in them whatsoever. I'm talking about things like, do you believe in a Christmas tree? Amen? Or did uh, did your church have services on Christmas Sunday? And if so, how many did they have? Uh, uh, Questions like, do you believe in mission boards? Or or do you believe in a flat earth or a circled earth? Uh, uh, Do you believe that we really landed on the moon? I mean, when think about all these crazy questions that people get caught up in and they waste their time studying them, but they're things of absolutely no profit. Amen? Uh, Do you believe in homeschool or Christian school? You know, I've seen a lot of that over the last few years. Uh, It seems like you've got people that they want to be an advocate for whatever it is that they're doing. And you know, the truth of the matter is, and I appreciate this about this church, uh, we got people that homeschool, people that is in the Christian school, and people that go to the public school, and, and it seems like there's no schism. And boy, I thank God for that. Can I get an amen right there? The reason is we're not striving about things of no profit. I told somebody one day, they asked me, they said, uh, do you think uh, uh, homeschool is the way to go? I said, I'm not going to tell you how to educate your children, amen, uh, because if they turn out dumb, I don't want to be blamed for that. Uh, you need to pray and do the will of God. Uh, we homeschooled our children not because it was biblical, but for us because it was best. Amen? Uh, now you can't take a King James Bible and tell me that, uh, listen, this is the way to school your child, homeschool or Christian school. Uh, there's no verse in there, not even the keepers at home. That has to do with the wife taking care of the house. Amen? Uh, but I want to tell you, God has what's best uh, for every single one of us. If we was to sit down and talk about those issues tonight, you know what we would come to at the end of the day? A bunch of strife. Amen. And so Paul said that when you study the Bible, it takes the strife out of those things. Amen. Uh, Listen, he talks uh, about the context. I'm talking about the strengthening, the striving. And then uh, notice something else. He talks about the subverting in this verse. Uh, He said in verse number 14, he said, uh, they strive strive not about words, no profit, but to the subverting of the hearers. Amen. In other words, Paul said, we're to give heed, we're to give counsel unto things that matter. Amen. I'm I'm going to tell you what matters uh, is what God wrote down in this black and white. Amen. I may have a lot of preferences and and I may have some, uh, uh, listen, things in my life uh, uh, that I live by uh, but when it comes to what we ought to have convictions and what we ought to stand on, doctrine and principles and precept, it doesn't come from my life or my theology. It comes straight from the Word of God. Amen. And the more you study the Bible in its context, uh, uh, the more 
it, you're going to know the Scriptures. Amen? And so there is the subverting, and then there's the studying that we're going to deal with in verse 15. And then notice the shining in verse number 16. I'm talking about the context in which verse 15 is given has to do with all these things. He, he talks about in verse 15, but shun profane and vain babblings. Why? For they will increase unto more ungodliness. You see, those who live by the Bible uh, can silently walk on and avoid these type of people. And the reason is because if you study your Bible, you're going to be settled. You're going to be secure because the Bible is the authority. Amen? I'm glad social media is not my authority. I'm glad what they say down at the workplace is not my authority. Hey, what they say down at the schoolhouse is not my authority when it goes against the Word of God. I'm talking about the authority that comes from the Scriptures. And if God said it, then that settles it whether I believe it or not. Amen? I'm telling you tonight, it makes life a whole lot easier when you can just push away everything that don't line up with this book and say it's right and everything else is wrong. Is that right tonight? Hey, that's how it is. Amen? If the Bible says it's right, then it's right. And if the Bible says it's wrong, then it's wrong. Amen? Uh, listen, I see a lot of young preachers get caught up in a lot of profane and vain babblings. Uh, uh, they follow after a lot of things. And, and I'll just say this to our young preachers while uh, we're on the subject. And I think we have uh, good young men in the church. And I'm not saying this as an indictment. I am saying it as instruction uh, that will help you. You avoid these young preachers that have got so much to say, but yet they've not proven anything, Brother Andrew. You know, I, I, I remember coming up. And the older preachers taught us, and by the way, younger preachers, anybody 39 and under? Well, I felt a little kickback on that. That's what them older men of God taught us. And in our 20s and our 30s, they taught us to keep our mouths shut, stay on our knees and stay in the book, and just try to prove yourself to be faithful. I see a lot of young men today, they've got so much to say. And the only thing consistent about them is that they consistently run their mouth. But provenly, they've not, they've not, they're still 25, they're still 30, 35, and they're still trying to give count, they're trying to give counsel. Hey, I'm 47 years old. And if somebody don't ask me, I'm not just going around selling out advice because I don't think I'm that smart. Amen. But I see some of these young guys, uh, you know they're a novice because they've got so much to post, they've got so much to say, they've got so much insight. Uh, you young men listen. Listen to me. You avoid them like the plague. You, you be like Elijah. You go hide yourself. Uh, you find your closet somewhere and pray. You stay with God and God will put you out there and God will give you where it puts you where he wants you to, uh, to go and when he gets you there you just stay in your field and you just plow and mind your own business uh, and do what God's called you to do and I'll tell you what you won't be embarrassed when you get in your 40s and your 50s uh, for all the dumb things you said in your 20s uh, and in your 30s. Amen. I'm just telling you that's how it is tonight. Uh, and studying the scriptures uh, will keep you in line. Uh, and notice in verse number 16, he said, For they will increase unto more ungodliness. Do you realize a lot of people are changing course, aren't they? When people change, here's a good way to find out if what they're believing and what they're saying is going in the right direction or not. It's very simple. You can ask one question. Does it cause them to live a more godly life or a more ungodly life? The Bible says here, shun profane and vain babblings, for they'll increase unto more ungodliness. 
We've seen people, listen, they've left the, the pages of the scriptures and they've left the doctrines, the teaching, the convictions, the standards. You take someone who gets off into Calvinism, they always feel like they've got to defend their position. They're always attacking those that don't accept their new position when they once believed what we believed, whosoever we are. But just watch the vein they run. It doesn't lead them to godliness. It leads them to more ungodliness. Uh, you know what ungodliness is? Uh, it's going against the scripture. Amen. They don't get a greater burden for souls uh, by becoming a Calvinist. They get less of a burden for souls. Uh, they don't go knock on more doors and pass out more tracks. Uh, oh no, they go in a different direction. You take when somebody leaves a, a church that preaches convictions and standards and they go to a more liberal or modern or contemporary church. Just look at their life. Uh, see which way they go. They don't dress up. They don't dress more godly. They don't go to more godly places. You know where it leads them to? It leads them to to a whole lot looser living, amen? It leads to more ungodliness. Now, they can say what they want to, and they can say God is pleased and God is in this. I don't have to hear them say anything. I can take one look at their life, amen? You're saying, are you judging? The Bible said a spiritual man judgeth all things. I'm not being judgmental, but I am looking at the direction they're going and judging based off the facts of the Word of God. It's leading them down the wrong road, amen? And I'm not going that way. Can I get an amen? man right there. You say why? Because I've studied the scriptures a long time ago. I'm not an authority. I'm not a theologian. But thank God I know what Bible's right. I know that book will always tell the truth. And it doesn't matter who comes this way or goes that way. I just want to stick with the old stuff. I want to stay in the right way. I want to stay with the scriptures. Amen. We ought to know what we believe and why we believe it because we're all going to be tested at times. And there's reasons in verse number 15 as to why we ought to be students of the Scriptures. We, we see here the command. We see here the context. But when we get to verse 15, our text tonight, I want you to notice the cause. What's the cause tonight? Why should we be students of the Scriptures? Three simple things and I'll be through. Number one, we ought to be students of the Scriptures. Number one, for the approval of God. He said, study to show thyself approved unto God. The purpose of Bible study tonight is not to show off, it's not to illustrate our knowledge, it's not to make someone think that we're smarter, it's not to impress someone, but it is to please God. Amen? When we study the Bible, we're to study to His approval. And I want to say tonight, it's not to get up and brag about how many chapters I've read, how many times I've read through my Bible. It's not for me to get up here and quote Scripture, to look like I'm super spiritual and you know I'm not against that. I think men of God ought to quote scripture but not to be seen not to be noticed but we're to study our scripture or our Bible in a way that it pleases God, that it honors Him that it meets His standard. He knows how much time we have. He knows how much time we can give. He knows how much time we're supposed to give. I want to say tonight we ought to be a student of the scriptures because if it pleases God then it ought to please us. Amen. 
That means we must have the right spirit in our study. Our motive has got to be right. We must have the right scriptures in our study. Amen. You've got to have a good King James Bible. And if you don't have a King James Bible, if you'll see me after service, I'll give you one. Amen. And whatever else you got, just throw it in the trash. It's not worth keeping. Hey, I wouldn't even set it on fire and stand over it. You might catch something. Amen. I'd just throw it in the trash. Don't take it to the goodwill because there's no goodwill in it. Amen. I put it in the garbage can and just stay with the book. Amen. You've got to have the right spirit when you study and you've got to have the right scriptures when you study. Thank God for the King James Bible. I'm glad we're in a church where it's not debated, it's not questioned. We're not using it in Sunday school, amen. We're not slipping it in under the radar. Hey, listen, we're, hey, listen I, don't, I don't even like to have, I, I have books in my, in my office, some books, but I don't even like to have devotional books. I can't use the King James Bible, amen. I know it's hard to find those things. I'm telling you, it's hard to find a Christmas card anywhere, anymore that's got the KJV in it, but you can if you search for it, amen. I'm just simply saying I love this book. Amen. And I thank God for the Bible tonight. And we ought to study the Bible. And the purpose of being a student of the Word of God is for the approval of God. Read our Bible. Study it. We must have the right spirit in our study. We must have the right scriptures in our study. And we must have the right system in our study. You know, it doesn't hurt to own a set of commentaries. Can I get an amen right there? You don't have to have 5,000 books in your library. You, can, you don't even have to have a whole bookshelf. But you ought to invest in a good set of commentaries. I know this is simple preaching, but I'll tell you my motive. If you can get a church praying and reading their Bible in January, hey, they, it may be the best, greatest year we've ever had if we just stay in the book and stay on our knees. Isn't that right? I just want to, uh, listen, maybe spark somebody's interest that's not uh, tonight and maybe encourage those that already are, but buy you a good set of commentaries. You say, I'm not a big reader. No, but you need something to pull off the shelf so when you don't understand what something says, I, hey, I don't understand everything in that book. I'm not going to act like I do because you know that, that is well as I do. And I thank God for some different men that have studied the scriptures uh, that you can pull a commentary off and you can read. Uh, you say, well, commentaries are not always right. I know that, uh, but I just need all the help I can get, don't you? Uh, and if somebody can shed a little light, uh, if somebody can show me something that I didn't see that'll help my Christian life, uh, I'm going to read it and take it. Amen? Uh, and there's no substitute for the Bible. I wouldn't substitute the Bible for a set of commentaries, uh, but there's no spirituality in just just saying, well, I just read my Bible and I don't read anything else. Sounds good. You know, the Bible, I think it says, let the ignorant be ignorant, doesn't it? But Paul said a lot of times, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren. There's no excuse for ignorance tonight. You can go buy a set of commentaries and read and don't, listen, now don't, you need to ask me if you don't know a good set. Go buy you a set of John Phillips or, or Warren Wearsby or somebody. Don't go buy a set of John Haggy. Somebody say amen. amen. Or Joel Osteen. Amen, Brother Black. Pastor Joel. I used to make me mad when he said that. And I thought, you know what? No, I, I, I think I kind of like that. Amen. I'm just kidding. I love to pick on him. But you know, tonight, on a set of commentaries, Open another book and read what the Scripture said. Have a system. Have, have a Bible reading plan. 
You know, start somewhere. I, you don't have to start in Genesis. I don't know where you start in your Bible reading plan, but you need to be headed somewhere in your Bible reading. You need to know where you're going in your Bible reading. Don't just sit there and flip through pages of the Bible and say, well, I'll read a little of this today and a little of that tomorrow. Oh, you need to start in a book and go to the end and find out what it's about. Amen? So you can learn the Scriptures. Amen? I'm talking about studying tonight uh, for the approval of God. God gave us this book. Don't you think He wants us to know what it's about? He wants us to know as much of it as we can. Hey, the Old Testament said then talking about the nation of Israel that our people's destroyed because of a lack of knowledge. And certainly uh, that is true. There's a lot of people, they just come and sit and listen to preaching. And while that's commendable, you got to get something through the week. Amen? You Listen, you got to pick up a devotional book and, and read something. If that helps you with the Word of God, read your Bible. Have a system. Amen? You don't have to do like I do, and I don't have to do like you do. But you ought to have a system that works for you. Amen? Preacher, why study? Students of the Scriptures for the approval of God. Why be a student of the Scripture for the avoiding of shame? Look what he said in verse number 15. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. You see, tonight we don't have to be a theologian. We don't have to have a doctor's degree in theology. We don't have tonight to be an authority on everything or know everything about uh, all the scriptures and we're not going to tonight. But we ought to have this tonight. This is the will of God for every person that is saved, what I'm about to say. And that is that when it comes to studying your Bible, you ought to have a working knowledge of the scriptures. Amen? That means you ought to know the Romans road. You, maybe you can memorize it. Everybody can memorize it tonight. But you may not have it memorized, but you ought to know, uh, listen, how to take a sinner from Romans 3.10 and 3.23 to Romans 5. 8 to Romans 6 23 to Romans 10 9 and 10 13 it's not that hard it only takes a few minutes uh, and there's tracks that has the Romans road on it you ought to know that have one in your Bible but have a working knowledge of how to tell someone how to be saved uh, have a working knowledge of the scriptures how do I do that familiarize yourself with the word of God read it every day of your life uh, and just let your mind be engulfed in it uh, I'm talking about why to avoid shame we need to know the doctrine of the scriptures why we believe certain things uh, we need to know the 12 major doctrines of the Bible and why we believe those doctrines uh, we need to know the details of the scriptures amen be familiar with the story of Ruth and the story of Esther be familiar with the life of Christ uh, be familiar with the three missionaries uh, uh, journeys of the apostle Paul be familiar with what John said in the book of Revelation because we're living in that day I'm talking about having a working knowledge uh, I'm talking about having a working knowledge of the details uh, how about a working knowledge of the do's and the don'ts? Amen. Hey, this book is a book of commandments. Uh, and God still desires obedience out of our life. Uh, and we are to know what God expects us to do and what God expects us not to do. Amen. And we're living in a society that has thrown that out the window. They want you to think you can go to church and be right with God and live like dogs. And it's not true tonight. It's still a shame for a man to have long hair. Because First Corinthians 11 is still in the book, amen? It's still there. I know it agitates the liberals. I know preachers don't preach on it that much anymore. Then I know that they just let it go in the church. But it ought not be let go in the church. It's Bible, amen? That's not being mean. That's not being ugly, amen? I was in a meeting one time, and a man was stroking his beard. I'm not against a man having a beard, but this young man was stroking his beard. It's about down to here. He was stroking that beard. He said, I'm coming to Jubilee. And he said, I hope you're not against beards. I said, I'm not, but I'm against that one right Right there. 
He said, you being serious, I said, brother, I don't care if long hair is on the top of your head or under your neck. I said, cut six inches of it off before I'll sing you in the Jubilee. Well, I hit a stump right there too. Doesn't make, doesn't, listen, doesn't make a hill of beans to me. I could get it a whole lot tighter than that, amen? But I'm just telling you, I'm not against you men having a beard, amen? I'm against somebody looking like uh, uh, they're, they're nasty, amen? Uh, I mean, groom it, take care of it. Most of uh, all you men do that, and I appreciate uh, uh, you doing that, but I'm just simply saying convictions and standards. You know why it gets so quiet when you preach stuff like that? Because people don't read that book like they used to, amen? It was a time when you preached that, and people say amen uh, because morality and decency and, and cleanliness was something that people upheld but now we live in a dressed down dumbed down society and don't know anything about anything and everything goes that's why you need to know your do's and don'ts from the word of God you need to have some standards convictions hey young people you need to take that King James Bible and draw some lines in the sand and draw them very deep and draw them very firm and even if your best friends or your family members goes another way you stand for the truth and sell it not amen it's right tonight. Avoid the shame of not knowing. There's some things that's just not, we're not going to debate because we know what the Bible says. We're not changing by the, and I know you believe this same stuff tonight because it's in the book, isn't that right? We're not, listen, we are whosoever will because the Bible is whosoever will. We believe in the sovereignty of God because the Bible teaches the sovereignty of God. We believe in predestination and foreknowledge and election and adoption. We just don't believe it like they believe it. Amen. We believe it like the Bible believes it. Amen. We believe every man has a free will. Every man has a choice. And God wants to save every man, woman, boy, and girl. And he doesn't want anybody to go to hell. And if anybody wants to be saved, then they can't be saved. Because it's not hard to be saved. It's easy to be saved. And salvation is not of works. Thank God it's by faith faith. It's, it's by grace, through faith. Amen. And we know that. Why? Because the authority of the scriptures. We don't have to be ashamed when somebody comes up. Hey, listen, you ought to go to the fellowship hall. And listen, go through those books. Uh, listen, we don't make any money off those books. Uh, we just purchase them books as a ministry and we put them out there. And there's all kinds of subjects and topics. Uh, you know why we do that? Uh, because if there's a subject that you're struggling with, I want you to be able to pick something up and read it and take your Bible in the privacy of your home and study it and know what you believe and know why you believe it. That's why there's books over there on blended worship because we're against that because the Bible is against that. Hey, that's why there's a book over there about genders, amen, because God made male and God made female and that's the only two genders that there is, amen. Hey, that's why there's a book over there on modesty or several books because we still believe in modesty even though the average church gets locked jaw when you say it, I'm telling you, friend, we're not we're not loosening up on that standard. We're still going to look like we're going to church when we go to church. I'm not talking about sinners, but church members ought to have some convictions when it comes to the house of God, and it ought to be every day of our life. Amen. You say, well, I'd just like to know about that. Go over there. There's a book over there, probably for two bucks, three bucks, four bucks, or five bucks, or ten bucks, or fifteen bucks. I don't know. You can pay Sister Donna. All it does is go right back into Bible college. They don't make a dime off that. We just buy more material. And the reason we do that is because I figured this out. I didn't figure this out. The Lord put it on my heart, but then he showed me this. That when people read things for themselves, it sticks. 
You can hear me yell it Sunday after Sunday, and you may get it, but I'll tell you, when you sit down by yourself with your King James Bible and something, and you see it for yourself, there's no change in your mind on that. I'll tell you, we put them books over there, and I pray, Lord, let some teenager get a hold of this. Let some mom, let some dad get a hold of it. These books on there to how to be a, how to be a, a better husband. That's not the title. Some of you women need to go over and buy that for your husband. There's books over on how to be a good wife. And, and we don't make a penny, like I said, off that. That money goes back in the college, and it just goes to buy more material. You know why we do that? Because I want you to, to, to maintenance your life. I want young people, when somebody comes up to you and, and they want to start telling you something, when you, when you get older and you get out there, and some of you already are, and you're working in the workforce, and they challenge what you believe, I hope that something you picked up off that table and you read out of your Bible and you put together, I hope it got so deep in your soul that you said, you know what, I ain't backing up on that. I don't care if my boss does believe that. I don't care. I hope if some young man comes along and wants to sweep you off your feet, but he doesn't believe in tithing. I hope you go over and get a book on giving and read it, and you believe every bit about giving. If he says, I don't believe about tithing, you say wrong, and you're the wrong man for me. Amen. We can't start our marriage off right if we are robbing God from the beginning. Is that right tonight? I'm talking about studying. Amen. Why? So that, my friend, as you meet God's approval, we study for the approval of God, and we study, my friend, to avoid the shame. What do we do? What, what are we supposed to do with this book? I thought about that. According to 1 Timothy 4 and verse 13, we're to read the Bible. Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. We are to memorize the Bible. First Psalms 119 and verse 11, Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I might not sin against thee. We are to study the Bible according to our text tonight. That means look closely at it. We are to live the Bible. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 2, You are our epistles written in our hearts known and read of all men. And then we are to share the Bible. Tonight, we are to be students of the Scriptures for the approval of God, for the avoiding of shame, and then finally, for the analyzing of the truth. He said in this verse, rightly dividing the word of truth. My biggest fear is, I, and, and I'm going to tell you something, when you preach three times a week to the same crowd, I promise you, um, the slip of the tongue the slip of the mind, the human side. Hey, there's no doubt. I've said things and then later on I think, wait a minute, that wasn't right. It wasn't intentional. Maybe somehow you got tongue-tied or you said something. Maybe you meant to say something one way and you said it another. That just happens when you preach regular. That's different than twisting the Scriptures. Deceive, if I catch it, I'll correct it every time. But I'll say tonight, it, there's a difference at rightly dividing the word of truth. There are passages that I've never preached yet. You say, well, you should. You're to preach the whole council. I hope before I die that I do. But there's some things I'm just not settled on. There's some things I don't have, I don't have the knowledge. I, I've studied, I've prayed, and I've, I've tried to, to seek the answer. And I'm not settled on that yet. And this, this evening, when you think about analyzing the truth, I don't want to tell something that's not true. By the grace of God, help me tonight. Lord, I only want to preach what, what the Bible says and, and what, the, what thus saith the Lord. But it's amazing how do you go to so many churches today and you can hear anything and everything but the truth. People don't want to hear about you all week. There's nothing wrong with using an illustration, but when the sermon's about an individual other than Jesus boring sermon isn't it 
nothing wrong with an illustration, but if a sermon is a text taken out of context, then it becomes a pretext that is used, uh, and, and there's an illustration that never touches it, then you've not given people the truth of the Scriptures. It needs to be right, it needs to be revealed, and it needs to be received. But the sad thing is many congregations cannot receive the truth because they don't hear the truth. You know why some people do the things they do? Think about this tonight. I don't want to be judgmental to this church world that we live in, but the reason that some do the things that they do is because they've just never heard the preaching and the teaching that we have heard. Tonight, listen, don't ever miss Sunday school. Go to Sunday school every Sunday. Now, I understand if someone has a physical problem that they can't. I'm not talking about that. You be faithful to Sunday school. You, you bring your children to Sunday school. You get up early and you get them ready. You, you get them, don't let them be late for Sunday school. I, I'm telling you, if you have a flat tire, that's understandable. But I'm telling you, listen, don't, don't make that a habit in your life. You, if you can get up and go to work every day, listen, you can get up and let them go to school every day. At that, that hour of the morning, you can get them to church. It's a matter of priorities what it is. You go to bed uh, through the week uh, early. You know why? Because you got to get up and go to work early. Isn't that right? Kids got to go to school. Uh, oh, we got to get them into bed. They got school. I wonder if people have the same mindset about church, you know. But well, we got to get them in bed early. You know, we, we need to make sure. Now, we can't give them no sugar, you know, after 5 o'clock because they'll be up late. We want them to get a good night's rest because we want their minds sharp, you know, uh, for school. We want them to do good in their grades. And, and we want them to, to get up. We, we'll give them a little protein in the morning, you know. We'll give them something to eat so, and, and we'll give them something to drink, you know. You know, so that they'll be ready. When we want to, we will invest so much in education, don't we? We really want them sharp and their best when it comes to school. But when it comes to Sunday school, well, let them stay up late tonight. Get them up about nine o'clock. Drag them through the house, you know, like a bunch of wild Indians. Sling them in the car, and hair's half, half, you know combed and they still got the boogers in their eyes come on kids we're going to be late come on it's your fault <laughs> drag them sling them in a class and say well I hope they get they don't get nothing like that spiritual education ought to be more important to us than secular education that's right tonight I'm going to tell you why a diploma on the wall won't keep them out of hell a diploma on the wall won't build them a strong family. You say, are you against education? No, no, I'm not at all tonight. But I'll tell you what I am sick and tired of as a, as a pastor, and every pastor is. People put such a premium on the education of this world, but they'll let their children be so ignorant to the Word of God. And I don't think that that's the majority of people sitting here tonight. I'm just telling you, that's the facts. That's where we're at today. When America was strong, it wasn't because people had great degrees. That crowd that built factories and fought wars, most of them plowed fields when they were children. They had eighth grade educations. Some of them never even got out of the primer. But they had praying moms and dads who built rock altars and had college prayer meetings and read the Bible to them every night and said the Pledge of Allegiance to them in the daytime. And I'm going to tell you, that's the greater generation. They weren't rocket scientists, but they knew how to walk with God. Reading the Bible takes so little time when you think about it. The Old Testament can be read in 56 hours and 44 minutes. 
If you read 19 minutes a day in the Old Testament, you can read through it in six months. The New Testament can be read in 17 hours and 44 minutes. Just six minutes a day, you can read through the New Testament in six months. If you read through the Old Testament nine minutes a day, you can read through it in one year. Three minutes a day in the New Testament, you can read through it in one year. Twelve minutes a day of Bible reading, you can read through the Bible in just one year. Five minutes of Old Testament and one minute of the New Testament. That's a total of six minutes, and you can read through it in two years' time. Think about this tonight. It doesn't take that long to read the Bible. And tonight in a society where most of them, just 30 minutes, think about 30 minutes of time. One chart that we put out said that 30 minutes of time talking about people that spent 30 minutes doing certain things. It said that 70% of the people spend 30 minutes on emails. 59% of the people spend 30 minutes on television. That can't be true. Amen. 55% spend 30 minutes reading a book. 55% spend at least 30 minutes doing housework. Podcast 32% said they spend at least 32 minutes on podcast. Said that in 30 minutes 26% of the people uh, spend it on YouTube and 6% spend, send it, spend it on Twitter and 11% on Instagram and 28% spend it on Facebook and 42% uh, spend it doing some a form of a hobby. They spend 30 minutes doing that. Do you know that 30 minutes of Bible reading? You can read the book of Ecclesiastes in one day. You can read the book of Romans in two days. You can read the book of Mark in three days. You can read the book of Genesis in seven days. You can read the book of Psalms in ten days. You can read the epistles and the Revelations in 15 days. You can read the Pentateuch in 30 days, the New Testament in 40, the Old Testament in 120, and the whole Bible can be read in 160 days just reading 30 minutes a day. Tonight, we ought to study our Bible. It doesn't take a lot of time. The book of Genesis can be read in 3 hours and 31 minutes. Exodus can be read in two hours and 51 minutes. Leviticus can be read in two hours and three minutes. Numbers can be read in two hours and 57 minutes. Deuteronomy can be read in two hours and 24 minutes. Joshua in one hour and 42 minutes. Judges in one hour and 41 minutes. The book of Ruth can be read in 14 minutes. 1 Samuel can be read in two hours and 14 minutes. 2 Samuel in one hour and 49 minutes. 1 Kings and 2 Kings can both be read in two hours and six minutes. 1 Chronicles can be read in two hours and three minutes. 2 Chronicles can be read in two hours in 19 minutes. Ezra can be read in 40 minutes and Nehemiah in 58 minutes and Esther in 31 minutes and Job, the book of Job in one hour and 46 minutes. The book of Psalms being the longest book of the Bible can be read in four hours and 51 minutes and Proverbs in one hour and 35 minutes. Ecclesiastes in 31 minutes. Uh, Song of Solomon in 17 minutes. Uh, Isaiah can be read in three hours and 43 minutes. Uh, Jeremiah can be read in three hours and 51 minutes. Uh, Lamentations can be read in 20 minutes. Ezekiel in 3 hours and 39 minutes. Think about this. Daniel in 1 hour and 6 minutes. Hosea can be read in 32 minutes. Joel can be read in 12 minutes. Amos can be read in 24 minutes. Obadiah can be read in 4 minutes. Jonah in 8 minutes. Micah in 18 minutes. Nahum in 7 minutes. Habakkuk can be read in 9 minutes. Zephaniah in 10 minutes. Haggai 6 minutes. Zechariah in 35 minutes. And Malachi in 11 minutes. Doesn't take long, does it? 
Matthew in two hours and 21 minutes. Mark in one hour and 23 minutes. Luke in two hours and 24 minutes. The whole book of Luke. The whole book of John. The gospel of John in one hour and 51 minutes. Acts can be read in two hours and 15 minutes. Romans can be read in 57 minutes. 1 Corinthians in 58 minutes. 2 Corinthians 38 minutes. Galatians in 20 minutes. Ephesians in 19 minutes. Philippians in 14 minutes. Colossians in 13 minutes. 1 Thessalonians in 11 minutes. 2 Thessalonians in 7 minutes. 1 Timothy in 15 minutes. 2 Timothy... 11 minutes, Titus in 6 minutes, Philemon in 3 minutes, Hebrews in 44 minutes, James in 15 minutes, 1 Peter in 15 minutes, 2 Peter in 10 minutes, 1 John in 16 minutes, 2 John in 2 minutes, 3 John in 2 minutes, Jude in 4 minutes, and Revelation can be read in 1 hour and 10 minutes. Say, preacher, why why did you do all that? I thought it was interesting. (laughs) And I thought what was interesting is that the longest book of the Bible took four hours and 51 minutes, and if you broke it up in a matter of days, you could read it very quickly. You can read through the book of Proverbs, read one chapter a day in one month. The book of Psalms can be read in one month, reading five chapters a day. But you know, really, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if you read two hours, three hours, or 20 minutes, or 30 minutes, or 40 minutes, or 10 minutes. What's important is that you read. This little devotional book that we handed out, One Minute Devotion. And this morning, I didn't know what I would preach on, but God knew. And I opened to page 10 on this devotional book. I never do this when I'm preaching, but I'm going to do it tonight just because it's so fitting. The text that I was preaching from, I didn't know what I would preach this morning, but I knew what I would preach tonight. The Lord gave me that message yesterday. And unknowingly, I opened to page number 10 this morning, and you know what the text was in the devotional book for this morning? 2 Timothy 2 and verse 15. Study to show thyself approved unto God. You know, isn't it amazing how God will do things like that in your devotional time? It's not every day that I read the Bible that I'm just drawing great truths out. But I'll tell you, there's so many days when you read something that God lets you read exactly what you need the day that you read it on. That's not a coincidence. That's this book, isn't it? And what I read today said this, The devil is not afraid of the Bible that has dust on it. If tomorrow our government was to pass a law that you could no longer possess a copy of the Word of God, you would no doubt protest such an evil deed. Yet what difference would it make if you do not take advantage of the privilege you have to own a personal copy of God's Word because you never take time to read it? It is not enough to own a Bible, for there is much more responsibility that goes with it. You must open your Bible on a daily basis and read what God has to say to you as an individual. We are then to observe what God speaks on the pages of His book, obeying what He would have us to do. It is impossible to grow as a believer apart from the Word of God. We must make it a part of our daily lives. No one has ever been saved apart from the Bible. And no one has ever grown into into a mature believer without a steady diet of the Word of God. What a precious book we have. I say amen to that, don't you? It's pure. It's powerful. It's penetrating. And it's preserved. And it will prepare our hearts to do His will.
Let us spend time in his word. I want to say tonight as a pastor, my burden this morning and tonight to all of us, myself included, is that we would be a people of prayer and students of the word. You see tonight, this church, it's a good church to come to. But it's not enough to salvage your children. You've got to have Bible reading time and prayer. It's not enough to keep your marriage together. You say, preacher, how do you know that? I've seen many of them, you have too, fall apart in this church. It's not enough. A church, as wonderful as it is, is no substitute for your personal walk with God. And tonight I would challenge you to never trade anything for your personal devotional time with the Lord. It only takes a few minutes a day. And those few minutes could change your life. A little time around a coffee table together as a family in prayer could be what keeps your children in the right way when the enemy comes calling. Tonight as we stand, do you have a personal time with God? Do you read? Do you pray? How is your personal walk with God tonight? I don't know if you need to come to the altar. Our heads are about, eyes are closed. If you need to come, I want you to come tonight. I want you to make a commitment to God. I want you to make a commitment to read your Bible if you hadn't already. Maybe there's something else the Holy Spirit dealt with you about. Maybe it's your prayer life. I've never felt like I've read enough. I've never felt like I've prayed enough. I'm not telling you I've always done it all right, but I want to. It's important tonight. I can't live like I'm supposed to without the Word of God tonight. It keeps my spirit in check. It keeps my attitude right. It keeps you thinking right. It gives you stability. It removes the doubt. It calms the fear. It dismisses the worry. It gives you victory. It helps you to cling to something more than a feeling and an emotion. It helps you to cling to a promise. And friend, that'll hold when the feelings and the emotions are not there. Just reading the Bible, letting it run through you, letting it dwell in you richly is what Colossians said. How about it tonight? If you'll memorize Scripture, I'll tell you what you can do. You can get victory over that sin that's been strangling you to death. Memorize the Word of God. Hide it in your heart that you might not sin. While Brother Sam sings, if you need to come tonight, would you come?